Welcome to Divorce Redefined, changing the experience of divorce with Cindy Stibbard. Cindy is ready to have those candid and unfiltered conversations so you know how to move forward in your marriage. You'll hear inspiring and insightful discussions surrounding this taboo subject to help you feel confident in your decision. Now, here's your host, Cindy Stibbard. Hello, hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Divorce Redefined. Happy Wednesday if you're listening to us on the live show and happy day if you're listening over on the podcast. I am your host, Cindy Stibbard, and I am so grateful to those of you who continue to tune in every week with us, whether it be here on the live show or over on the podcast, I wouldn't be doing this without all of you. Also, if this is your first time tuning in, I'm so glad you're here. On this show every week, if you haven't joined us before, we dig deep into a topic that many of us feel uncomfortable about, a topic highly stigmatized in our society, and a topic that triggers even those of us who have gone through it and are well on the other side, and that is the topic of divorce. If you have been following me for a while and listening to my show, you will know how truly passionate I am about changing the experience of divorce, because I believe that changing this experience is a movement. And you don't have to be going through divorce yourself to be supportive of this movement, but I would bet that you know someone who has, who is, or who will go through divorce at some point. And this show is for all of them. I truly believe that if we can get more education, more resources, and better professionals in front of you, those of you who are going through a tough time, whether it be divorce or any major life transition, My mission is to give you tools to help empower you to navigate through these tough times in a better and different way. That is where change begins. And I believe that if we do this, if we prepare, plan, pivot our mindset, if we normalize the conversations, we can start to eradicate the stigma and shame that society holds so firmly around divorce. And if we really start to do this together, the entire foundation of our marriages and our relationships can start to change. The movement to change the experience of divorce isn't bigger than us. It is us. So that's why we're here. We are here to have hard conversations and to talk about those uncomfortable things, because the more we talk about them, the more comfortable and normal they can become and the bigger the change we can make. We are all on this journey together of bettering ourselves and supporting each other while doing it. And honestly, we all feel like we don't know what we're doing. So you, my friends, are not alone. Like all major life transitions, going through divorce can be a very stressful time. I mean, beyond stressful for many, all-consuming and completely earth-shattering sometimes. No matter how long you are married, The act of parting from the person in life who you were the closest to, had children with, built a life and a future with, can be jarring, devastating, and utterly heartbreaking. Chances are, once the heavy emotions from divorce have lightened, you may be interested in dating again. And chances also are that dating is something you haven't done in quite a while. Naturally, you might be at a loss as to where to even begin. It goes without saying that ending a marriage can make you rethink everything you thought you knew about love, and oftentimes even what you thought you knew about yourself. 
but this shouldn't prevent you from finding happiness with a new person. And in fact, good news, many experts say that getting divorced in your 40s or 50s can actually improve the quality of your future relationships. That being said, too, the ink may be dry in your divorce papers, but that doesn't necessarily mean that you've completely moved on or are emotionally ready to jump back into a relationship. Oftentimes, it's natural that we need time to process all of the feelings, heal from the wounds, and strengthen the relationship with ourselves first before getting back into the dating scene. Today, we're going to be talking about this. We're going to be talking about dating after divorce. How do you know when you're ready? How do you know when you're not? How do you get started? What are the best dating apps? What are the do's and don'ts of getting back into the dating world? Because you are going to get back out there. You might not think you're ready now, and that's okay. And if your divorce was as traumatic and shattering as it is for many, you may have sworn off love right now and for the foreseeable future, but that will change. So I'd like to introduce you to my very special guest today. Daniel Harold is a divorced dad of three daughters living in Tulsa, Oklahoma. He is one of the co-founders of Divorced Over 40, a national group that provides support and community to divorced men and women across the United States, ages 40 and up. The Divorced Over 40 community has enabled Daniel to pursue his passion for writing, where he writes on several topics, including his own personal divorce journey, dating over 40, and being a dad to three daughters. This also led him to create the International Dating Club, which is an online dating community that provides techniques and tips on how to create a safer and more positive dating experience. The club has grown now to nearly 150 members since its launch in January. Daniel is also the host of two podcasts, is on the board of directors for an advocacy group advocacy group to fight romance scamming and is currently advising several new and emerging dating apps. Welcome to the show, my friend. Hey, Cindy, <laughs> I am honored to be on your show. Thanks for having me on. Great. It's so great to, to meet you here and to see you again. And I follow all of your incredible TikToks. We were just talking before the show about how, how much that work that takes. Oh, <laughs> to gosh. Do. Yeah, it's a lot more than what people think. You it, can't, you don't just get up and wing it, right? <laughs> so, so true. Um, so I'd love to get into, you know, you have this great, you know, foundation, this great focus of, of dating. And this is spawned because of you going through your own divorce process. Would you mind sharing with us a little bit just to get started on your own divorce story and how that led you to this? Yeah. You know, everything that, where I am today, just like a lot of people that are that have gone through the divorce is, is honestly through a lot of trial and errors uh, and a lot of fumbling along the way. And so, um, you know, I'm here where I am to be able to maybe pay it a little bit forward to those people that are just getting into the journey, because I like a lot of people going into, you know, a divorce for the very first time, had no idea what I was doing and really didn't know how to navigate it. And, you know, just as a little bit of backdrop, I was in a 22 year marriage um, with my almost high school sweetheart. We graduated from the same high school. Uh, we started dating the summer after we graduated and then dated all through college, got married at like 22 years old, which is, by the way, way wow. too early <laughs> uh, and had my first child, I think, at 24 or 25. 
Wow. And so, you know, I was kind of one of those kids um, and I didn't even really consciously think about it where I was trying to grow up way too fast. And, um, you know, by the age of 30, um, I was nearly 10 years, a decade into my marriage. And, you know, really, honestly, looking back, I hadn't even figured out myself at that point. I was too busy raising kids and making sure that there was food on the table. And so, um, you know, not going too much into the specifics of our divorce, our, our marriage just kind of eroded because I think we were just so busy with life and weren't really, you know, inwardly focusing and investing on each in each other, uh, which I think is paramount in a relationship. And, you know, we were kind of like the two ships passing in the night, making sure that the kids were off to their you know, cheerleading and sports and all the activities and feeding them and paying for this and that. And, you know, we got to a point where near the, near the tail end of our marriage, it was just really just a toxic environment and toxic, meaning we were just incredibly unhappy, both of us Mm -hmm. and sat down and just made the, the decision that maybe there was a better path for, for us. And that meant breaking up. And so, you know, here I am. And I think like a lot of people that um, you coach and a lot of people in the in the divorce community, I mean, you really don't know what you don't know. You're you're going through this bake breakup, which, um, you know, is almost the equivalent of a death, particularly if you've been in a very long marriage. And so you're dealing with all of these emotions that come with that, not to mention navigating a split, which isn't easy mm-hmm. or our laws don't make it easy. And a lot of times we don't make it easy. Um, and so I found myself doing a lot of things the wrong way after the divorce. I think what I did right was sit down with my ex and we were adults and we said, let's handle, let's, let's set a good example for our kids. We kind of said this almost jokingly later during the process, let's break up in a way that our kids can see that we're adults and we know how to handle it the right way. Wow. And we took our kids in, in the forefront of our minds going through that process. And it was a very expeditious and fairly stress-free um, divorce. Then you find yourself single and alone after 26 years of being with someone. Yeah. And, you know, I did a lot of, a lot of the wrong things at that point. I dated too early <laughs> And, you know, I got myself in a couple of messes trying to figure it out. And, um, you know, during this summer of COVID, in which I was almost two years out of my divorce. Yeah. Um, I, you know, I recognized a lot of people had time to, to reflect during that time. And I recognized that I really didn't have friendships. I really lacked those. I'd lost a lot of those in my divorce. And um, I really hadn't focused on investing in new friendships or rekindling the old ones. I was focusing too much on just surviving and dating, honestly. Right. And so that's what really birthed Divorced Over 40 is with this collection of new friends that I had created that summer, we came up with the idea of why don't we bring community to the, vo- to, to the divorce community? Because everybody's in the same boat. We all need new connections. Because a lot of our past connections are in that rear view mirror and we want to make new connections with like-kinded people, people that have been through the same thing that we have. And so it created this virtual community where we could really open up and share about 
divorce. Mm-hmm. And that led into topically, we, a lot of people like to talk about dating because everybody's dating again. Right. And here I am, I'm, a, I'm an expert on it at that point. And, <laughs> you know, I'd figured out how to navigate it in a healthy way. And so that, you know, full circle, just a long winded way of saying that's how I then kind of got into the dating space where I could impart not only wisdom of what I learned right or wrong during that process, but help people navigate getting back into the dating for the first time again, after a long marriage or, you know, and so that's kind of where I am today. That's, that's amazing. And I love that path because I can imagine too, and, and what you've created to support people because it is overwhelming getting back out there. I mean, you've got that, that typical, you know, sweetheart story where you've been with this person for so long, what is it even like to be with someone else? And then you have to get out there. But first of all, even how do you meet friends? Like one thing I, you said, which I also think is a really important to touch on when you go through divorce, the first thing that starts to change for you before you even get into the whole, okay, I'm going to start dating again, is your social network around you, your friendships start to change. I mean, unfortunately, that's one thing that we don't think about when we go through it, but it's definitely one thing that happens. And it's incredibly heartbreaking for people to see that polarization happening and people stepping back. How did you find that? Yeah, there's a quote. I can't remember the exact quote, but it's like, You know, when you go through a trauma, you really see who the true friends are and who emerges, right? Mm -hmm. And I think that, you know, a lot of times, uh, and I think it's even a little bit more problematic for men coming out of a divorce than women, because women tend to have, you know, and I don't want to generalize, but women tend to have a group of friends uh, or a flock that they kind of tie to and stick with, uh, in many cases, through the marriage. And in a lot of cases... Um, particularly in my marriage, the woman, my wife or my ex-wife served as kind of the social chairman for us. Mm. You know, she would, she would be the one that would be engaging with couples to reach out, to go out and do a couple things. Well, now you've fragmented and you're single and your couple friends don't want to hang out with single people. It's just, let's just be honest. You didn't want to, when you were married, you know, you're like the third wheel. Right. And a lot of times they don't want to take sides. I mean, there's a lot of different reasons why they don't reach out to some of them just because they're not sensitive to it. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I found myself in which I hadn't invested in my entire marriage in any guy friends at all. And so when I left, I didn't have any, there was no, no one that I could really lean on. And it really took almost 12 to 18 months following the divorce to really recognize that I didn't have any because Mm -hmm. I wasn't focused on it. Right. And what I've learned in hindsight is how incredibly important it is to, to find a new tribe of friends, mm-hmm. uh, to cultivate new friendships. And it's the great distractor um, because a lot of people have a tendency to jump into dating way too early when they're still in the middle of their trauma or they still haven't healed from that divorce. And they're bringing that toxicity into their dating lives. And it's affecting right. a lot of people. And the great, and the reason why they do that is because they're lonely, because they're mm-hmm. yearning for connection. And so what, what we try to advocate at Divorced Over 40 is, look, we get it. Everybody's yearning for connection, but why not focus on platonic friendships for that connection instead of romantic when you're really not ready? And so that's what created Divorced Over 40. Um, uh, it was to create a, a healthy alternative for finding human connection. 
I think that's so important. And you hit the nail on the head because I do think you're filling that void of loneliness. And when you go through divorce, you know, will I ever find love again? Am I desirable? Will anyone want me? And so you try to fill that gap when really you should be focusing on connecting with other people, other peers, like you said, and also the most important relationship you have is the relationship with yourself. Even if you weren't the, the instigator of your divorce, you still have a lot of learning and growth that can be gained from looking at yourself in terms of how did I get, how did we get here? How did I contribute to this? And what do I want to change about myself? So I don't bring that into my next relationship in the future. I think that's so key. And when you talk about friendships, what did you do? I don't know if anyone hear my lawnmower, but that's the lawnmower going outside. <laughs> what did you do to start that? Because I know it can be really overwhelming when you feel alone. You don't have those friendships built up. How do you start to reach out and where do you find those people? You know, a great question, because when I, when I go through this, it's such an easy sell for people that are going through the divorce or are divorced. They're like, oh my gosh, that's, that is exactly what I need, but how do I do it? Mm-hmm. And, you know, it just, it requires effort. And there's a couple of ways that you can do it. Number one is, is really kind of inventory your existing circle of friends. And maybe there are people that are divorced or single. Just recognize that if you're intentional and you reach out to a lot of couple friends, like if you're as a guy, the the guy, reach out to all the guys that are in relationships. It's going to be really hard to cultivate that because they're in a relationship. Uh, If you reach out to people that, or maybe divorced, going through a divorce, or single, then you're gonna have a much better opportunity to maybe cultivate something that could be real meaningful. And so for me, I had a coworker that um, was going through his divorce about the same time that I did. And I, when I recognized, okay, I need friends, I started to inventory and there was one guy that was like, okay, this is the guy that I can focus on. And we just started hanging out. I started you know, from happy hours to hanging over to his house to do, you know, going to dinners. And we just connected and we bonded and we're able to kind of share what we were going through. And um, and so that was kind of a way that we did it. And it kind of manifested off of that. But another way to do it, if you don't have anybody kind of in your Rolodex, is to go do do some sort of activity that you're interested in that would fill you. So if you like you enjoy hiking painting, if you enjoy reading books, cooking class, there's all these activities that you can find in your community and go, go, go do one of those activities that you know that you would enjoy, whether you meet anybody or not, mm-hmm. so just go do it, go join a hiking club, sign up for a cooking class, a dancing class. And just through national organic uh, occurrences, you're going to connect with people there. Now, that's a great alternative to dating apps to meet someone romantically is to do those things. But if that's not where your headspace is, then do it to make friends. And I guarantee you will connect with people. Maybe it's someone 20 years older or younger than you that are in the group, but you will cultivate potential friendships that you can then spawn off of those events and go invest in those people. And so that's another kind of healthy way to try to uh, cultivate friends, but it requires intentionality. You got to go do something. You can't sit back and expect people to come to you. You got to go out and take the action. Yeah. Which can be really scary and overwhelming for people at the beginning when they're not used to doing that. Like, how was that for you? Is that scary to reach out and start to take those steps all by yourself? You know, I, um, I would think getting involved in an activity probably would because I 
I had this one friend and I already knew him. And so it was easy to spawn off of that and really focus on, on, uh, him as a, um, with a friendship. But the reason why I, I like the idea of getting involved in an act- activity that you enjoy is, is look, the, the benefit of doing that is it's almost like self-care, which everybody needs after a divorce. You sign up for a hiking club, you're active, you're releasing endorphins as you go out, going out and hiking with this group. And whether you meet someone or not, platonically, really doesn't matter. Let that be kind of the icing on the cake. If someone happens to connect with you, at least you're going out and you're doing something that's going to benefit you. And so if you look at it from that perspective, it's like, I don't care if I meet someone or not. I just want to get, I need, I know that I need to get out and start doing something that will be healthy to me. Then focus on the activity, less on the fostering of friendships. Um, one of the things that we did, a lot of people um, are, you know, you've got the extroverts and the introverts. I happen to be an introvert, but I'm a, I love organizing things. And this guy friend of mine and I, as we started to build this relationship, he was a lot more of an extrovert than I. So he had friends that were single. We started having cookouts like every week at his house. And he started inviting his friends. And then we encouraged his friends to invite their friends. And so, and I was organizing it all. And so literally like every Thursday, we'd have 10, 15, 20 people at his house bringing potluck, everybody bringing meals. And my circle just can just grew and grew and grew of friendships. Even today, a lot of those were of friendships that I have today were created from hosting events. And so if you're, if you enjoy that type of stuff then grab a couple friends and start having cookouts or get togethers and, and watch how that will grow organically as well. I love that. I love that you also said it's self-care because when you go through divorce, you really do need to take those steps to take care of yourself. And what an opportunity it is to go and try things that maybe you always wanted to try, but you don't always get to do that when you're married at home and parenting kids and you don't have time. Like that is the one thing. I mean, that was the hardest thing for me was to, to deal with the time I now had on my hands, but at the same time, what a gift it was to now open my world to opportunity to do things for myself that I always wanted to do. Oh, it's huge. I mean, I, I think that there's, as part of the healing process, particularly with me and a lot of people that I've talked about, as you're healing and you're healing through self-care, whether it's getting involved in activities, whether it's seeing a therapist, there's lots of ways to, to go through that self-care. There's an incredible rediscovery of yourself that that a lot of people um, go through. I hope everyone gets to go through. You get to kind of dust off old hab- old hobbies, old passions, or maybe pursue new ones. And um, you know, it was for me as well. I mean, I, my I was uh, I was on another podcast and I said my my future then my vision of my next chapter as compared to five years ago is like 180 degrees. The things right. that I wanted to do are completely different than the things that I kind of wanted to wanted to do or didn't want to do when I was married. Mm -hmm. And because I went through this self-discovery process, I kind of peeled off this outer shell and out popped this new person that was different and wanted to do different things. And so it is an an incredible opportunity and getting involved in those type of activities, Cindy, are great ways to start to foster that mind. You know, I started to hike and I realized I enjoyed hiking and the next thing I know, I said, I'm going to go climb a mountain. And I climbed Kilimanjaro last right, year. Right, you did, yeah. Right, you know, so I would have never thought of doing that, you know, married, raising kids. But 
I got involved in activity and it fostered this huge, big, audacious, uh, audacious goal. And I was like, I'm going to, I'm going to go do it. So it, it creates opportunities. Yeah. And how do you think that changed you really taking that step and taking that risk and putting yourself out there like that? Well, you, be, you start to, t- you start to, um, be less resistant, um, to not taking risks. You start mm-hmm. to take more risks. Um, you gain confidence. So you start to fill yourself back up. You know, I think everyone that's going through a divorce, I mean, your self-worth and your confidence are almost at the lowest point of your entire life when you're going through that process. And every day that you're able to go take a risk, go do something that you wouldn't normally do, all it does is it just builds that confidence back up. And then you feel like you can go do anything. It really changes your whole perspective on life. Yeah. And you know, when you are going through divorce, I think a lot of people don't want to go through divorce because they fear being single because there is, there's so much social stigma, first of all, around divorce, but there's also stigma around being single. So what did you experience and how did that feel when you were single for the first time? You know, I didn't, um, I didn't start to appreciate being single until, um, I've started focusing on my friends. I was using dating as a vice to kind of fill a void that I wasn't confident in myself. I wasn't fulfilled. I didn't, it wasn't like I was trying to latch on to someone long-term during that time. Cause I kind of figured that out and I just knew I enjoyed dating, but I was using it to fill a void, which was, I wasn't confident in who I was as a human being. And when I started to focus on friendships and there wasn't all this pressure for me to, to go out and find the next date or, you know, that's when I started to say, you know what, it's kind of fun being single. You know, I'm fully autonomous. I can do whatever I want, whenever I want, within reason. Yeah. <laughs> and um, it's an exciting moment to be. And honestly, when I felt that way, where I wasn't looking around and I wasn't swiping all the time, that's when I met my plus one is right. when I was at that kind of pivotal point where I was like, I'm happy whether I'm with someone or not. If someone comes into my life, then that's just icing on the cake because the cake is already, it's already baked and, it, and it's me. Yeah. Cause you completed yourself. What is that? Like you don't complete me, right? I complete me. And then you that's were right. already complete by yourself. And that takes a process. I mean, in a lot of us, I almost feel like it's not necessarily a cultural stigma or pressure. I think it's like internalized pressure that we mm. put on ourselves. Like we got, we've got to jump into the next relationship And then as you know, you hear about all the negative and toxic things that are occurring in online dating. So a lot of people are just scared to death to even go navigate that. And so then they're thinking, well, I don't want to have to go through that. I just need to go find someone, you know, and then we start to just compromise on the types of people and the values that we want in a person because we're just trying to latch on to the next person. And I'm telling you, everybody feels that way. Um, You got to fight through it. You've got to really rediscover yourself and feel complete before you really want to need to start dating. I think that's so true. And I do think that we can get into it too fast because the world is made for couples, you know, it's so set up to be all coupled up. And so it's uncomfortable to do things on your own, but it's also empowering to be able to be there and the amount of learning and growing that you can do when you're focusing on you completely transforming who you are for yourself, but also the benefits that that can have 
on your next relationship. And you're, I think you're right. I think we are the ones that put that, that fear, that stigma, that pressure on ourselves. I have to find someone I need to fill this void because that's kind of what we do. And then we settle, we settle for just good enough. And then what happens 10 years from now, we're back at where we were unhappy, just like we were unhappy in our first marriage. So we've just literally exacerbated that pattern. Um, but we're going to take a quick break and we're going to talk more about this when we return. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. All of us know that it is next to impossible to make rational, logical, and even smart decisions from a place of fear. Most times, if we are in a place of fear and uncertainty, we won't make a decision at all. Cindy Stibbard, founder of Divorce Redefined, professional divorce and decision coaching, supports many individuals and couples at this stage who are unhappy and unfulfilled, who are either currently in the process of divorce or just only contemplating the idea of separation. Does this sound like you? If it does, you are not alone. Text DIVORCE to 602-200-6446 to book your free call. Those who choose to work with Cindy are wise and brave enough to realize that they need to know more before they're able to make such a big life decision. Working with a divorce and decision coach at these stages is the smartest investment you could make for yourself and your family. And it will almost always set you up for a better outcome, whether you choose the path of divorce or not. There have even been many individuals and couples who have decided to give their marriage another shot after working with Cindy. Because what she offers at Divorce Redefined is different. You don't have to only be getting a divorce to benefit from her professional guidance. Cindy offers a unique element in addition to her popular divorce services called Decision Coaching. Decision Coaching is a type of guided support that is meant to help couples get out of that indecision purgatory. Modeled after her training at the Doherty Relationship Institute, Cindy Stibbard's Decision Coaching approach is specifically designed to do just that, help couples come to a decision whether to take one more shot at reconciliation or whether it's better to prepare for divorce. Regardless of the direction taken, couples on the brink finally find the clarity and confidence to know whatever they decide, it is what's best for their family. As a divorce and decision coach and certified divorce specialist, Cindy Stibbard is an advocate of healthy relationships. Whether a couple chooses to separate or try to stay together, she provides new insights, education, guidance, emotional support, and understanding of the many possible options for both individuals and couples who are in the process of uncoupling. At the end of the day, as Maya Angelou once said, when we know better, we do better. This is exactly the focus and purpose of working with Cindy. Are you considering separation or currently in the process of divorce and feeling overwhelmed, afraid, and confused about what this means for your future and that of your children? Do you want to do this right and make choices without regret? If you still aren't sure, ask yourself this. If I'm still in this exact place six months to a year from now, am I going to be okay with that? If your answer is no, Cindy is ready for you. Book a free confidential discovery call with Cindy at Divorce Redefined today. Text DIVORCE to 604-200-6446. That's text DIVORCE to 604-200-6446 to book your free discovery call today. You don't have to do this alone. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. You are listening to Divorce Redefined, changing the experience of divorce with Cindy Stibbard. 
If you have a question for Cindy or her guests, join us on the show at 888-346-9141. That's 888-346-9141. Now back to the show. Here is Cindy Stibbard. Hello, everyone. Welcome back. I am here with my friend, Daniel Harold. He is a co-founder of Divorced Over 40 and also the creator of the Intentional Dating Club. Welcome back to the show. Um, Good to be back. Yeah. <laughs> and we were talking just before the break about, you know, building yourself up as a single person. And now as you move on to dating. So I know that you started this Intentional Dating Club platform. Tell us a bit more about that. What was the, um, you know, the reason behind that and where can people find that? You know, um, we, within Divorce Over 40, we were so focused on platonic friendships, fostering platonic friendships, almost to the point that when we started, when we had activities, you know, we would explicitly tell those that were coming, you know, this is not a dating mixer. Do not come to try to get a phone number. We're going to ask you to leave. Right. And so I knew, but at the same time, that community talked about dating a lot. We just wanted it to be a safe place. And I really loved and was passionate about the dating space, but I knew that I could, that couldn't be my platform. And so I knew that I had to do it kind of separately. And so as I started to really think about, okay, well, what value could I provide to, to my audience? I knew I didn't want to write a book. I knew that I was too impatient to be a coach. <clears throat> and what I recognized in the space was there's no community in dating, almost like there's no community in divorce amongst mm -hmm. the divorce group, which mm -hmm. is why we created it. And so a lot of times as a divorced man or woman that's jumping into, into dating, we really don't want to talk about that part of our life to our family. And a lot of times to the friends that we have, our friends right. tend to give us bad advice. Yeah. Our, our parents, you know, or siblings want to set us up with people. And so it's, we don't really want to talk about it, mm -hmm. and but we need community. We we want to be able to share what we're going through or ask for advice. And so I I thought, well, why don't I create a club, a safe place for people that are all like minded and that they're intentional in their dating could come in and share their experiences and ask for advice. And so that was the the concept was to create this virtual club where people could share. And then I would come in and kind of impart whatever wisdom I'm gaining along the way uh, in bringing the relationships, the experts that that I've created relationships with that are in the space to come into the group and help educate the group. And that was, in essence, what the Intentional Dating Club is, is it's a, a virtual community where people can share and empathize with each other and support each other. And then we have these experts that are coming in and helping them, whether it's how to build a, an online dating profile or what mm. questions to ask or how to communicate and set boundaries. I mean, there's so many different topics right. as you're navigating a new relationship. And so that's, that's how the club was founded. Okay. So it's like a kind of a coaching and, and learning how to date. It's not matchmaking per se. You know, I never, I, I didn't envision that it would turn that way, but I, I think that when it, scales it will be because mm -hmm. everybody's joining because they want to get better and level up in their dating they want to make better choices they they want to protect their time and so we're all kind of in the same boat 
um, in terms of what we want. And I, I think ultimately there will be some relationship that, that will foster from the club. It's not set up to come in and try to find your mate, but I think eventually there will be opportunities. Yeah, I could see that. I mean, what better a chance when you've got two people yeah. who meet on that platform who both want to grow and learn and be better people. I mean, God, that'd be a great. You just got to get the men in, Cindy. I mean, the men, uh, never, you know, it's probably like 80% women, 20% men. And everybody loves the men that are in there because they're thoughtful and vulnerable. And they <laughs> so want they, to have learn. The, they have the <laughs> pick. <laughs> right. Yeah, exactly. But yeah, I think that it could turn into that. And I'm, I'm excited that it will. Yeah. And you know, you and I have talked about this before, how difficult it is to get the men out there. I mean, it's so important to be supporting them too. I think that men don't take that, that step to get the help to reach out. And I don't know if it's just a emotional thing. I mean, you know, more it's scary. It's, you know, we should know better already, or I don't need to expose myself, but I think it's so important for there to be that engagement with them as well, to know that it's not just a place for women. It's also for men too. Yeah. I, it's hard to peg, but I almost feel like from a man's perspective, getting help isn't manly, Mm -hmm. isn't masculine. And we see it in divorce a lot, divorce recovery. And you probably know, just looking at your, your clients, it's probably heavily weighted towards women. Women go and seek help and they want to work on themselves and guys just don't because whether it's stigmatized that you're not masculine and you're not tough or you need to kind of, you know, just bear it. Um, but for whatever reason, guys just aren't investing in themselves. And I think as more men step up and talk about their experiences, whether it's their divorce or healthy dating, whatever topic and, and ways in which they became better, it will help bring others to the table, but it's, it's a challenge. Yeah. I mean, one thing to say as you know, to all the men out there and from a woman's perspective, there is honestly not much, nothing sexier than a man who is working on himself and open to learning and growing and being vulnerable. That's when women are like, Hey, (laughs) I'm interested in you because you seem interested in yourself and growing as a person. I mean, right there, that's a huge reason to even start to reach out. I don't know why guys are so obtuse to not get that. It's like, <laughs> get it through your thick skull that if you can be vulnerable and open and maybe share your emotions, that that's incredibly attractive. Yeah. And women want that. And why don't you do it more? Right. Uh, we just don't get it. We're hard headed. <laughs> Black and white thinkers sometimes. I know, you know, sometimes. Um, so in your group, do you guys go through, you know, how to date? I know this whole dating is all about like dating apps and where do I find people? How do you feel about dating apps? What advice do you give to people on that? Um, I don't, I guess you don't have to say which ones you think are great, but if people are going to hop on, how do you navigate that? Cause I know that that is an endless sea of choices and different types where does someone even go to get started? Yeah. You know, whenever someone generalizes things, I usually step up and speak out. And the biggest generalization amongst people is the dating apps are worthless. They're toxic. They're a waste of time. And they're not. Mm-hmm. They're really not. It's, it's what I usually, how I refute that is, well, you just don't know how to navigate it in a healthy way because it's all about how you navigate it. And all the dating apps created is a created access to more options. If you think about culturally back in the 
you know, going back to the 1940s, 50s and 60s, probably not the 60s, that was a crazy decade, but the 40s and 50s, I mean, the way that you would meet someone, there's one of four ways. You meet them at church, you meet them from your friends, your family, or your neighborhood, because mm-hmm. neighborhoods were communities back then. You hung out with your neighbors. Right. And you think about it today, um, we have our friends and family, but we don't want to ask them to get set up. That's, we should be. Um, our neighborhoods have kind of gone away. They, it isn't no, they're no longer as kind of community within a neighborhood. Um, a lot of people aren't going to church anymore. And so there's has to be other options in which people need to meet people. And the dating apps create an opportunity for you to meet virtually um, a lot of people. Now, the, the, the challenge is there's a lot of unhealthy people on the dating apps, just like there's a lot of unhealthy people if you went to a bar and tried to meet someone. I mean, right. it's just a representation of the world. There's a lot of unhealthy people. There's a lot of bad fish and there's a lot of good fish. And your ability to develop the skill set of discerning intent, character, of what someone's purpose is on the app, you know, doing all those things on the front end can save so much time and really change your whole perspective on whether or not you're going to have a healthy experience or bad. It's all about how you figure it out and how you're able to discern people and use the apps to your advantage. Mm-hmm. And I think sometimes you just have to give it a try. I, I've noticed that some people tend to pigeonhole themselves into like, I like this kind of person, or he has to be a certain height, or they have to be, you know, can't be bald or whatever it is, right? You're very- Well, they're using the apps like a menu, right? It's like, <laughs> yeah. you know, like I want this and I don't, you're right. And I mean, that's part of the reason why people have challenges in, in dating period is that we've got this such a narrow-minded view of the type of person that we want. And a lot of times it's, you know, completely opposite of who we were with or, or maybe there's some similarities, but, and and what, what I typically try to describe is, you know, I kind of look at there's two different lists that you really should create. One is like the non-negotiable list, which is, these are the things that do or die absolutely need in a partner. Uh, they're character traits. They're not physical traits. Mm-hmm. Honesty, integrity, yes. good communicator. You know, those are, things those are, are the non negotiable. The yeah. And then you've got the wish list things like in a perfect world, in perfect nirvana, I would get all of these things wealthy or has a full head of hair, you know, <laughs> has a six pack. I mean, you, the problem is, is we put these physical, these wants, these wishes over in the non-negotiable list, we're getting them all mixed up. And so no wonder our results are bad is because we're so darn picky and we're not focusing on the right things. Totally. And it's really those characters. Cause I mean, we're not getting any younger. And so those things we can't change, but your our underlying character traits, those are what stand the test of time. And if you can connect and look at values, character traits, those things that really are going to make you connected and feel like you found the right person. I mean, that's hard to, to do. And it does take time to, to figure that time. out with people, right? You know, yeah. You're not I mean, gonna- you can't, it's hard to tell if someone's trustworthy or honest in a couple of conversations or even in a couple of dates. Yeah. But, you know, I'm a big believer that true character traits are going to emerge after time, even if they're kind of covered up. And so you're going to see them. And when you see them, especially if you see them early, if you see a guy or a girl that's maybe lied about something on their dating app, you know, 
oh my gosh, right out of the gate, someone's dishonest. Mm-hmm. What do you think that tells you about the character of that person? And so, you know, it's, it's, that's where you've got to develop this discernment, this ability to discern and read people and observe behaviors because you're looking for kind of things to poke out and nobody's perfect. You know, I think we all can recognize that, but there's certain non-negotiables that you absolutely need to hold on to. And if you were in a relation, prior relationship that where he or she violated your trust and that's an absolute non-negotiable, then you can't tolerate anything but that. You know, mm-hmm. so you've got to really hold on to those pillars uh, that are absolutely non-negotiable. And when they rear up, particularly early in dating, you can't brush them off. And, you know, a lot of times we just ignore those cues. We got to pick up on those cues and we got to cut our losses and move on. Yes. It's identifying those red flags, but being brave enough to actually look at them instead of just being, Oh, it just might be something right now. I'm sure that's nothing. We'll just, you know, we'll come back and try this again. You know, how, what do you tell people who are just not having success? You know, when do you, when you give up on a date, when do you know that it's just like, okay, this guy is not for you. This woman is not for you. It's time to move on and move forward. You know, there's a lot of people that have different opinion, but I'm just a big believer that, you know, you should really be able to to determine alignment uh, before you even go out on the first day. Mm. And there's other people that are like, you, you don't need to, be too direct and too, uh, too interrogative on the front end because it's going to turn people off. Um, but look, I'm all about not wasting your time, protecting your time and pr- protecting your mental space. And it's perfectly fine and acceptable, in my view, to ask the tough questions on the front end to see if there's alignment. You know, what are you looking for? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, asking about stage of life. What do you envision the next stage of life looking for? And does that align with yours? And so I think a lot of it is asking the right questions. Um, and then there's going into the dating process. And are you seeing momentum build over time? I mean, that's kind of the big biggest barometer is, are things progressing in a positive way? Or it, are you guys getting triggered one way or another early in that dating process when that should be like the honeymoon period. And so if there's fights that are emerging or disagreements that are emerging early in the process, I mean, that should be a big red flag that, you know, this is probably not going well. Yeah. And so I think it's just being, it really is just being aware, you know, really, you know, I always tell people, you really need to ask good questions. You've got to really listen to their answers, whether they dismiss your question, they brush it off, they don't quite answer it or they answered in a way that you don't like, um, you got to listen to those questions, the answers, and then you need to observe their behavior. Mm. And it's observing their behavior over a course of time, whether it's a week, mm. two, four weeks. Mm-hmm. Is their behavior consistent with their words? And if it isn't, then it needs to, That's those are yellow flags that maybe something's off. Yes. The ultimate sign of integrity there too. And, and how they treat people, you know, like how they even treat the server or you're out in public, like how are they treating and talking to other people is also a big indicator of how they really are. Oh, hundred percent. You know, um, I know a lot of people were shocked when I, or several people were shocked when I say, look, I think it's fair to ask in the opening uh, conversation, why do you get divorced? And people mm-hmm. are like, oh my gosh, why would you ask that? I would hate to, if that were asked of me, because I want to know how they respond. Yes. I want to know if it's a self-aware 
um, answer to a question, a thoughtful answer, or I want to know if um, all of a sudden he, he or she's going to tear into their ex and it's going to be nothing but nasty and toxic and dismissive. I want to know if they're healed or if they're healthy. And that's a great question. Oh yeah, I bet it to, is. To, to see how they respond. I yeah. remember going on a date once and I didn't ask that question because I didn't know what I didn't know. And I asked it, you know, at the first date, the entire hour was about her ex-husband <laughs> and all the things that he's doing. Right. And I was like, how do I get out of this date as fast as I can? Wow. And if I would have asked that on the first call or the first initial or second conversation, I would have gotten that, that toxicity. And I would have been like, I don't want anything to do with that. Yeah. So it's, it's good to ask direct questions. You don't want to interrogate the guy or girl, but it's okay. And it's healthy to ask questions to protect yourself. And to, and to be, you know, advocating for yourself, you now know at this stage of your life, what you want, and there is no harm in being really upfront about that. And I think, you know, you dated, you said you dated, you made some mistakes, and then eventually you worked on you, took time to really develop who you are, which then led you to finding the partner that you're with now. So what changed for you? And did you ask her that question? I wish you divorced. <laughs> uh, there's a lot of things that I even, I probably took to the extreme when I started dating um, my girlfriend, but um, you know, I think that I had a couple of kind of light switch moments in dating. The first one was when I realized, and this was probably six or nine months down the road, when I realized, I don't think I'm quite ready for a long-term relationship. I don't think that I'm quite there yet. The dust hasn't settled from my divorce. Um, and I keep thinking that's like the end game. And I realize I can still date. I just need to be direct and upfront that that's not what I'm looking for. Mm -hmm. I'm a casual dater and casual daters are fine. Mm -hmm. You know, casual dating doesn't mean hookup dating. Casual dating just means I'm not ready for a relationship, but I enjoy meeting people and engaging with people and going out. And so that was kind of the first light switch was realizing that it really wasn't looking for long-term or that just, I wasn't ready. And then, um, but I, but I still wanted to date. And the second one was when I started really focusing on friendships and I realized I don't need to put so much gas foot on the gas on the dating space. I'm really enjoying, you know, just kind of focusing on having fun and enjoying and cultivating friends and when I did that, and I'm not so focused on the girl that walks in or the next person that pops up in my dating app, it becomes second nature or second, secondarily focused. Mm -hmm. That's when I just happened to meet someone at organic, you know, she came to the a cookout that we had and we just happened to start having a conversation and it led to me asking her out on a date. It was a purely organic way in which I wasn't canvassing the room looking for looking for prey or yeah. looking for someone to ask out that's not a good way of saying it um, <laughs> and so I think when I took all of the pressure off of myself on a, a long-term committed relationship and then later just in dating in general that's when it started to happen more naturally for me and it happened in a, in a much more organic way I think that's so, that's so true. And so important when things sometimes happen when you're, when you're least expecting it, but you clearly are ready. The universe was like, all right, Daniel, you're ready. Here it is. <laughs> yeah. And we had, 
I had the conversation with her. I was like, I'm not ready for a relationship and this is where I am. And, and I asked her about her, where she stood. And, and so I, I, I was direct on the front end, but look, people change. Mm -hmm. So, you, you know, I fell in love with her, but it happened through just a natural organic way uh, without putting any pressure on each other. And that's the way that everybody wants it to happen. Right. Definitely. And you, what do you think this time going into this second relationship after your marriage, what do you think you're doing differently? How are you showing up differently this time? Besides well, not think, being like 24 or whatever in your <clears throat> early twenties. <laughs> well, we're all, I, I would be the first to say I'm definitely a work in progress and I'm far from perfect in the perfect relationship. Um, there's, there's an opportunity when you come out of your divorce, this is kind of that self-awareness piece that's a lot of guys and a lot of men and women don't get is really looking back and, and kind of auditing the marriage and looking at what role you played in a failed marriage. What did you do that led to, now look, I'll, let me preface it. There's lots of marriages that break up because there's abuse, or something where you shouldn't be blaming yourself, narcissistic behavior, physical abuse, right? But mm -hmm. I went I went through and really tried to understand what I did wrong. And what I did is I was terrible in addressing real issues or conflict. I would just mm -hmm. kind of pull in and I was avoidant. And a lot of times I'd use passive aggressive tactics of not dealing with conflict as kind of punishment. And so I, Becoming self-aware of that, I knew going in to the next relationship, I can't do that. That's not healthy. And so anytime there's conflict, anytime we do get in a fight and we do fight, I'm like all in. I want to fix this. I want to be, I want to listen. I want to empathize. Um, and I want to try to resolve this in a healthy way versus me. My natural inclination is to recoil, not deal with the conflict and just hope that it goes away. Yeah. And the, the lessons that you've learned and how you're going to change yourself and how that's going to be very positively impactful on your next relationship. It'll be almost night and day. I'm sure at the end of the day. Oh yeah. Sure. And you've got to go through that process of figuring how can I be better in a relationship? Because, you know, for the person that says it was all him or her and just pointing fingers and not looking at what did I do to contribute to this is someone that you're not going to want to date, let alone yeah. get into the next relationship. That is so true. And we, I could talk with you about this all day. And as we wrap up to close, thank you so much for being here. We could just go on and on. And I just love this conversation. And I hope, I know that you've inspired so many people out there, but right before we end, tell everyone where they can find you so they can follow up and give you a follow. Well, you can find more information about the intentional dating club, probably on Instagram. Uh, it's, at daniel.herald, so just my name. And TikTok is actually the same username as well, at daniel.herald. And TikTok I use just to provide, I think we all need to laugh about dating. And so I provide a lot of comedic videos around dating. And, and the Instagram, it's a little bit more substance and a, a lot more kind of education and advice. Yeah, and your TikTok is off the hook. It's amazing. <laughs> well, <thanks. laughs> It's Thank fun. you. Yeah, it is fun. It is fun. It's hard work to do, but it is definitely fun. I love it. Thank you so much for being here, Daniel. Thank you for everyone who's listening today. I hope that you've gained some great information and you know where to find Daniel. Um, and I look forward to seeing you all here again next week. Enjoy your week.
Thank you for listening to Divorce Redefined, changing the experience of divorce. We hope Cindy and her guests were able to put your mind at ease and help you make the right decision for your marriage. We wish you a beautiful week.